0: You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show. The place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. If you want to get more out of being an IU basketball fan, then make sure you're subscribed to our email newsletter. Go to assemblycall.com slash join today and sign up for free. That's assemblycall.com slash join. Yeah. This week's edition of the Assembly Call is brought to you by SeatGeek. As you know, buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated, but there is a better, simpler way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to live events. With SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There is nothing quite like seeing your favorite team or musician in person and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I have SeatGeek on my phone. I've used it several times in the last year. I used it when Yogi Ferrell was playing for the Mavericks and went to see a couple of games, used it to buy my wife tickets to a concert so I can personally vouch for it. I use it. I can be anywhere. And with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats To any event that I want to go to, SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and help you find amazing deals. And best of all, listeners to The Assembly Call get $20 off of their first SeatGeek purchase. All you have to do is download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code ASSEMBLY today. That's promo code ASSEMBLY, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. And now, get ready for another brand new edition of The Assembly Call. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important IU basketball stories from the past seven days. This is our 54th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 356th edition overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, November 30th, 2017. I am your host, Jared Morris, and let's begin this week how we begin every episode of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier proud banner moment And the banner moment this week for me, you know, as I sat today and reflected on that very, very interesting and in so many ways encouraging game that Indiana played against Duke on Wednesday evening, I kept coming back to the second half and what Deron Davis did in the second half. And I know that it was an imperfect performance from Deron. He didn't make enough free throws in the second half, and he committed a couple of silly fouls in the first half and only got to play four minutes. But for that sequence in the second half, when he just dominated, when Indiana was committed to getting him the ball and he was taking future NBA lottery picks to school and they couldn't stop him, it was really impressive and and it it, you know it, it made you think man we have got a dude down low and obviously again he's gonna have to play more minutes and he's gonna have to you know do a lot of those things and continue to improve but what he can do down low and the identity that he gives this particular team and what he can mean moving forward is a huge huge sign for the future of this program, and for what Archie Miller is building, both in the midterm and the long term, and also just right here in the short term. You know, I kept thinking about that play in the second half, and I don't remember if it was one of the ones that he scored on or that he got fouled on. And then he turns to the crowd and flexes. And a couple plays later, Robert Johnson went down uh, into the lane got or he actually he didn 't get fouled, but he absorbed some contact, made the shot anyway, and he starts running up the court and flexing and It was almost like he saw Duran do it, it kind of rubbed off on him. And it was like Duran gave the team a bit of a swagger because he was dominating. And for that sequence, Indiana looked dynamite against Duke. And obviously the game didn't turn out how we wanted to. Uh, but, man, Deron Davis really showed how special he can be for that sequence in the second half. Uh, and just a great sign, again, for Indiana moving forward both this year and in the future. All right. Let me now introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show to my left, We have one of the world's most renowned bracketologists and the president of the suddenly resurgent Robert Johnson Fan Club. It is Andy Bottoms. Andy, what is your bottom's line from the past week in Indiana basketball?
1: Well, I think you know one of the big things that has emerged over these last few games as the team has continued to grow is as we've handed out our game balls on the show. There's been a lot of them that have gone to uh, guys like Robert Johnson, Juwan Morgan, uh, Deron Davis. You know, more recently, and and I you know look back earlier at, at really what those guys have done in the last four games. So basically the four games since the Seton Hall game. And if you look down that list, I mean, those are the three guys that everybody said are going to need to lead this team uh, from a production standpoint. And they've really done that in those games. Um, yeah. There's some of these numbers you can nitpick and I'm not going to go over every one of them, but you know, Robert's averaging 16 and a half points, four and a half rebounds two and a little bit over two assists and under two turnovers a game. Um, in in that stretch, Juwan 16.7 rebounds, two and a half blocks over that stretch and Duran 12.3 points, five rebounds, uh, and a block of his own, you know, his, he's had at least three fouls in each of those games. And, um, you know, so those things are problematic, but the other thing those guys all have in common is they're all shooting in those games, 59% or better on two point field goals. So, uh, Robert is at 59.3 Juwan 65.5 and Duran (laughs) 73.1. Um, And so that's one of the things that we've, you know, kind of come to rely on with this team is the ability to, you know, make shots inside the arc, which feels a little bit different than what we've seen uh, over these last few seasons. But, uh, you know, they're starting to develop that as a bit more of an identity offensively. And so while we know they have to knock down uh, more shots from the perimeter to really, you know, create spacing, And free throws, I'm sure we may touch on uh, again after the way things went down last night. But I think what you've started to see, in addition to the team playing better, is the most important guys in the team and the guys that this team really needs to play well uh, have really stepped their games up. And and that seems to be a trend that's emerging and not just over the course of one game or a half uh, or things like that. And so I think as you step back a little bit from the, you know, looking at it game by game, uh, it's nice to see those guys that, that we knew they would rely on really rising to the occasion over these last four.
0: Yep. And to my right, we have a man who has absolutely no interest in your holiday basketball tournament's loser's bracket. He's a columnist for the big lead and someone who definitely will not be sending a Christmas card to Coach K, nor probably receiving one. He is Ryan Phillips. Ryan, what is your rant from the past week in Indiana basketball?
2: Yeah, just to be clear, I took myself off
0: of Coach K's
2: uh, Christmas card list. Uh, you know what I took away from, from the game the other night is... It didn't turn out the way Indiana wanted it to, but they took Duke's best shot and sort of stood there and stared him down. And and, and I don't think a lot of people expected that. I think a lot of people expected maybe they'll keep it close. Well, not you, Jared. You expected them to win. But I think most people expected they'd keep it close. Uh, they'd battle a little bit. But then eventually, you know, Duke's talent would win out. That wasn't what happened. Duke was the more talented team, clearly. But it wasn't just talent out. You know, beating them. I think that a lot of things in the game just kind of wore on Indiana. The foul trouble is is, was a big part of it. You know, the fact that Duke was shooting in the double bonus for most of the second half uh, really hurt. And I think that those were easy points for Duke and Indiana didn't convert theirs. But as far as just a straight up talent on talent, man on man who's tougher, who is a better basketball team. They stood toe-to-toe with what I think is easily the best team in the country and, and took their best shot and, and were in the game until very late. And if not for a bad little run towards the end, uh, you know they had a real chance to win that game. So uh, I, I think that what we're starting to learn about this team isn't that it's a great offensive team, it's a great defensive team, it's this, it's that, or the other thing. This is a tough team, and, and they're playing tough, and they're playing like their coach would. And and they're starting to be able to take a body blow from a team and not will and, and answer back and almost enjoy answering back in, in box in boxing. You, t- you, you tell you'd say that they're a team that's built to be in a slugfest. They're not a team that's built to stand on the outside and, and box and stuff. They want to get in there and they want to fight. And, and And that was what I saw against Duke was a lot of fight from this team uh, that made up for the talent differential. and uh, And I think the Duke players even said that after the game too, and and so did Coach K. I think you know really complimentary of Indiana. And I think that that's what happened is this team showed that. It's not going to be intimidated. It's not going to be scared. They're willing to fight, and and that's what we saw last night.
0: Both coaches' post game press conferences last night were outstanding, and I know Ryan won't endorse going and listening to Coach Kay's, but it was really good too. Forget uh, that guy. But go to insidethehall.com because they have both of them, and uh, I mean I, I continue to enjoy listening to Archie talk about this team and basketball in general. Um, and I think you'll feel you'll feel excited if you if you haven't seen his comments from last night. Make sure that you go you check them out.
2: You don't feel like there's any false positivity with
0: Archie at all.
2: (laughs) You feel like when he praises his team, they've earned it, you know, and, and, and he's going to give you the straight talk.
0: Yeah, no, that is what it feels like. All right, so here's what we're going to discuss this week. We'll reflect a little bit more on Indiana's loss to Duke and obviously then look ahead to the four-game gauntlet that awaits Indiana beginning on Saturday. We also have our intern Michael Dugan here for a report live from Simon Scott Assembly. Well, he's not live in Simon Scott Assembly Hall now, but he was there last night, and he'll give us a report. (laughs) We did Uh, not just make him stay there like
1: 24 hours later just to hang out so we could ask questions about it. Give him a pillow, a
0: sleeping bag, and a teddy bear and let him stay in the stands. (laughs) It'd be kind of cool to spend 24 hours there. Simon Scott Assembly Hall, I would do that. Um, and then, you know, we're going to... Let's kind of step back and take a big picture view of this team. What do we know about this team now, this far into the season? And what are we going to find out about them over these next four games? What do we need to find out about them? Uh, you know, if they're going to be a team that can have some success in Big Ten play. So we're going to talk about that. And then you all send in a bunch of good questions. Um, and so we will hit those in our Twitter Q&A. All of that coming here on Assembly Call Radio. do want to offer you... this. Quick reminder the next time that you are looking for tickets to a sporting event or a concert, remember our friends at SeatGeek, especially now. Around the holidays, uh, you know, tickets obviously to a sporting event, to a concert, to uh, you know, some other type of live event, really makes a great Christmas gift because people have enough stuff, and I don't think anybody wants more stuff. So give someone an experience, and you can do that with SeatGeek, and you can do it by either downloading their app, which is incredibly convenient and easy to use, or if you want an easy to remember URL that will take you directly to the IU basketball ticket listings in particular, use the URL Tickets dot shop. So not com, but dot shop And so if you want to get tickets to, you know, say the Iowa game coming up or another home game or even road games, uh, any game this season, if you use that URL, iutickets.shop, it'll take you there and you can browse through all the listings uh, and then find the best deal because that's what SeatGeek does for you. Uh, And if it's your first time using SeatGeek, don't forget the promo code ASSEMBLY, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y. Use it when you make your first purchase and you will get $20 back after that purchase. Again, the promo code is ASSEMBLY, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y. Alrighty, You are listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, Ryan Phillips, and our intern, Michael Dugan. And Michael, let's let's just talk about it right now, because uh, obviously we've been reflecting on Duke here in this first segment, and pretty much- And you every- may or
1: may not have been there for 24 hours straight. Yeah, so, you know.
0: <laughs> right. Uh, but from everybody that, that I have heard, you know, people on the Duke side, media side, IU players, uh, you know, it's Grayson Allen even, you know, talked about just how incredible the atmosphere was at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. And it's not a surprise because we know how crazy that venue gets, especially for big games. Uh, But what was it like for you being there? Was it as crazy as it's been uh, since you've been a student at IU?
3: I'm going to try and put this into perspective as best I can. I was at Assembly Hall last year for the North Carolina game. And I was at Assembly Hall in February of 2013 for number three versus number one against Michigan. I thought that Michigan game was louder than the North Carolina game, but I think that game last night against Duke was louder than that Michigan game. And I wow. sat in a pretty similar seat in terms of you know, proximity to the student section and to the court, and I thought last night was the loudest experience I've had within a basketball stadium and obviously as well as Assembly Hall. So What was the loudest just,
2: moment? Did you have a loudest
3: moment? I... I there wasn't really a moment. I think if Freddy's I had to dunk. pick one Freddie's dunk, I think That's I mean what I was that just ask. absolutely blew the roof off the building. Um Will, but will the entire will,
0: f- will that phrase Freddy's dunk go down like Marco Killingsworth's dunk?
2: Nah, no way. Yeah. That was late in the game, man. That, that that Killingsworth dunk. there was a lot of build behind that. Freddy's huh? was in the fir- was great, but it was in the first half. Ryan is so yeah, protective of that memory. He's Hell, so protective no, of that memory. Everybody who was there is protective of that dunk. Don't you
1: don't you say it. That has become a thing. And, Jared, and, I don't know if you heard, but Ryan was there at yeah. that game on press yeah, row. Yeah, you guys are. I was working, and he you. couldn't. Uh, he <laughs> couldn't even hear the person next to him. As, uh, you may, you may not have heard, but yeah. Oh
0: yeah, I love that we've been doing the show long enough that we just know how to get each other going. That was that was an easy one. Um, <laughs> all right, I'm just pulling the highlights up on YouTube now. You guys can do the rest of the show. <laughs> Keep going, Michael. So, what else kind of stuck out from the game last night?
3: Well, I mean, the entire first half was. Just one consistent 60-minute strand of continuous noise. And in the second half, there were a couple of moments where Duke looked like they were going to pull away. And then, you know, it got a little quieter. It was not quiet ever by any means, but the the noise level was was reduced a little bit. And then Indiana fought back. And then when they tied it, I think, or when it was 69-68, I think that was probably the loudest point of the second half. Um, and then it kind of teetered off from there, but that was, I'm confident in saying that that was the loudest game I've been to inside assembly hall. And I've been to three games that are probably top tier in terms of the noise in the, in the recent history of that building.
0: Those are big ones. And if, uh, if Oladipo and Jordan Holmes had completed that alley-oop in that IU Michigan game, that might've been the loudest moment. Maybe, maybe my answer maybe would ever. have been different. Yeah. Maybe, maybe ever. Have you, and you've been to a few other games this year, right? Because the crowds at the other games, I mean, obviously, haven't been there, but they haven't, you know, and the competition level obviously hasn't been great, but they haven't. The crowds haven't been that impressive so far this well, year. Not even close.
2: I gotta say, Duke it just brings it out in people. I think, though, I think it, yeah. it's just that name. I mean, when they're they're ranked number one, obviously, it's a big deal. Undefeated, it's a big deal. Um, I have talked to people who, I mean, because that Duke game that I went to was the last time Duke played at Assembly Hall. And they were also number one and undefeated and Indiana was unranked. It was the same kind of situation. Uh, well, Indiana might have been ranked, but they weren't, you know, they weren't. It wasn't like close. You know, it would have been a huge upset. And I've talked to people who are at the Kentucky game when Watford hit the shot and they have, who were at both games and have said, no, the Duke game was louder. And I, that shocks me because it's Kentucky. You know, it's that big rivalry. Um, but I just think that Duke brings it out in people. I think that's probably the story wherever Duke plays. You know, I, I I just think that there's an extra oomph behind it because of it's Duke, and they're easy to yell at, and they're easy to get mad at.
0: Yeah. I'm just surprised you can hear us, Michael. I thought your ears might still be ringing.
3: They are, honestly, a little bit. I woke up this morning, and there was still a little bit of ringing in my ears. It was it, – no, it, the I words can't describe. I'm not going to sit here and try to describe what it was because – I mean, I'm sure you could even pick it up on the broadcast. I heard from some people that at yeah. times you had trouble hearing what the – what the commentators were saying, what what they were saying, and I, I, I yeah, believe Billis that. and
2: well, and Billis and Shulman kept referring to it as as being just enormous yeah. and, and loud, and they expected that. When I talked to them in Maui,
1: they expected that. Yep, name drop. <clears throat>
2: <laughs> I'm just trying to help people with their...
1: They, they were Ryan's over missed, there at a few the shows. He's got a, lot of, he's got a lot of making it up to do here. On, <laughs> totally. yeah, exactly. It's been a while. Just give him a little space. Yes,
0: yes, yes, yes. Okay, uh, thank you for that report, Michael. Uh, that was awesome. Stick around, hang out with us on the show if you want to. Uh, but coming up on the Assembly Call, we are going to look ahead to the stretch Indiana has uh, coming up. And let's talk about what we know about this team that they have to lean on to have success in these games. That's nice. hey just a real quick note here the next time that you are going to shop online for iu gear use the url iustore.shop that will take you to the official iu online store where they have anything you could possibly want candy stripe pants the script indiana warm-up shirt all kinds of iu gear and that url iustore.shop is actually our affiliate url so when you use it and buy something we get paid a commission so it's a great way for you to shop for the iu gear that you need and to support the assembly call at the same time again the url is iustore.shop please bookmark it and use it the next time you're looking to buy iu gear we appreciate it now back to the show You are listening to The Assembly Call. I am Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, Ryan Phillips, and Michael Michael Dugan. And don't forget, if you ever have to miss all or part of an episode of Assembly Call Radio, there are two great ways to catch up. You can subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search for Assembly Call. Or you can join our live Thursday night broadcasts or watch the video replays by subscribing to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash assembly call. So... We know Indiana faces a really tough challenge now. Two Big Ten games with Michigan and Iowa, two games in three days, and then obviously you have games against Notre Dame and Louisville. This is really going to test the improvement that Indiana has made, and obviously the arc of that improvement since Indiana State has been impressive and I think perhaps even a little bit unexpected. I don't know after seeing that game that a lot of us thought Indiana would be able to put forth the kind of performance that they did last night. So, guys, I want to explore – The things that we know for sure about this team, because I think there are still a lot of unknowns, you know, playing a new system, a new coach, guys in new roles. There's still a lot of questions that need to be answered, and we'll address that, too but what do we know? What is the team's identity? What can it rely on game in, game out? And to me, it starts with Deron Davis. You know, And I talked about him obviously in the Banner moment. You know, Archie Miller talked about him on his uh, coach's show Thursday night saying, I think our team understands that when Deron is in the game, playing inside out has been good to us. And we've seen that. That when Deron is on the floor, Indiana really tries to maximize those minutes by getting him the ball as much as possible. And my goodness, is he being efficient? Because according to Synergy Sports, Deron has used 66 possessions, so possessions that have either ended up in a shot or a turnover. And he has scored 84 points in those 66 possessions, which is 1.23 points per possession, which for context is in the 97th percentile in the country. And just to to give you a comparison for some added context, Jawan Morgan, who's been very good offensively, he has scored 85 points in 78 possessions, which is 1.09 points per possession. That's really good. That's 83rd percent in the 83rd percentile. And Duran is light years above that. So the numbers certainly match what our eyes tell us in terms of his dominance in those moments when he's a been on the court and b when Indiana has been able to get him the ball consistently. And he has improved across the board in pretty much every metric except just his offensive rebounding percentage, which is still very good. And, of course, the free throw shooting, which is down significantly from last year when he shot 75.6%. But that does give me hope that he'll be able to improve it this year. So, Andy, we'll start with you. To me, Duran is the one thing for sure that we really know about this team, that when he's in there, they're going to get him the ball. And that more often than not, when he gets the ball down there in the post, something good is going to happen for Indiana.
1: Well, and I think you've seen them do a progressively better job at actually getting him the ball. Uh, and there was a moment last night, we talked about it on the show, but you know he and Devontae Green were on the side. Devonte goes into him. He doesn't really have a, a move, kicks it out to Devontae, reposts, and gets the ball right back. And I think those are some of the things that you just wouldn't see with regularity last year. So I think while he's been effective when he's in there, I think those around him have done a better job of getting him the ball. And they obviously realize how much more smoothly things run on offense when – uh, you know, when he's, he's really clicking and that, that was, a that was readily apparent in the second half against Duke. So, uh, he, he's definitely the guy they can rely on and want to play through, you know, the, the biggest concern, if there's a concern there, it's just that he has to find a way to stay on the floor. The foul trouble has continued to be a problem. And like I said, he's had at least three or four fouls, uh, in maybe the last five games, maybe even more than that. And so he's got to find ways to, to, not commit the cheap fouls the way that he you know has has continued to do uh even this season
0: ryan what else i mean besides Duran, and feel free to comment on him if you want to but what else do we know about this team
2: well i think that as far as Duron goes i'll be quick on it i just think that if you look at this indiana team across the board there's one player you feel like will be better than the guy across from him on the other team in most games this year i mean i and I think that's De'Ron Davis. And and I think that, you know, you look at the rest of the team, we've got guys who maybe can match the opponent or, you know, from game to game, they'll certainly be better than their opponent. But when it comes to just a guy you can rely reliably is as talented or more talented or can get it done against other teams, it's De'Ron Davis. He's the one guy you can look at and say, all right, yeah, he's going to be he can do this in every game. You know, it's not a matchup thing. It's he can do this. Um, so I think that he's certainly going to have to be the focal point. I think that's why you had Archie Miller talking about him all offseason. Um, you know what? I also think an underrated thing is getting a kid like Race Thompson in early uh, to play against him, you know, and and go up against him in practice is, is a big deal for Race. So I think that's a guy who can come in next year and maybe impact the game. So it's a it's, you know, just lauding Deron Davis across the board here. Uh, the other thing that I think Is something that this team can rely on is toughness and just being hard nosed, and I think that you're starting to see that. I think that's been the biggest difference since the Indiana State game. People say, "Oh, the offense is better, the defense is better." No, I think they're just working harder. I really do. And escalated quickly. It really has, and it's and it's it's also the kind of thing where, you know, if you can look at it from the Iowa from the Indiana State game, but if you really look at it from the second half of the Seton Hall game, uh that's where the growth has come, I think. And I think that was a very much a wake up call for them that look in the first half, when you were playing hard, you were competing with a very good team in the second half where you didn't play as hard and you didn't play as smart. I mean, you didn't. And and so I think that just toughness and, and, and hard nose play, which is Archie Miller's identity. I mean, that, that was his identity as a, as a, as a player. Um, So I think that, I think that that's, you know, it, that's certainly rubbing off on this team, and they're starting to they're starting to show that. And I think that that's something we can all, uh, you know, we can all rely on that this team's going to do. It may be absent in a game or two, but I think that it's going to be pretty reliable as the year goes on, and get more reliable as it goes.
0: Yeah, we can definitely rely on. It's going to be a focus from the coach. <laughs> I mean, that's for sure. It is going to be an emphasis every day, every game, no question about it. And hopefully, the team continues to put that into into play out there on the floor, Andy what else do we know about this team?
1: I mean, I I continue to go back to the two point shooting um, and, and some of the free throw rate numbers. I mean, those are, uh, you know, the two point shooting at close to 60% is probably, probably not sustainable as much as we would like it to be. But I do think, um you know it goes back a little bit to Duran and some of those things i mean but there are a number of guys who are shooting the ball really well uh from inside the arc i think they've attacked the basket more the free throw rate has come up and the ability to get to the line um there's a lot of numbers on the offensive side that line up pretty favorably as you kind of look down the list of what archie miller teams have done uh more recently i don't think defensively the numbers aren't quite there yet i do think there's improvement but they haven't really um it hasn't really played out that way statistically, but I think on offense, you know, really being able to to score around the rim uh, and and do things there, on, which is going to have to be the case for a team that doesn't shoot the three all that well. But um, you know, I think that speaks to the overall aggressiveness and the mindset and, the, and those kinds of things that you talked about. I think those things manifest themselves in, in numbers like two point shooting um, and and the ability to get to the free throw line.
2: I mean, can it we really all- is. Am- I, I gotta say, I, it really is amazing how this team has shifted from such a perimeter oriented team to a team that is so much more efficient from two-point range, you know, and I mean, to some degree, their, their three-point shooting has been kind of a mess, but the two-point shooting, Andy's right, is such a huge deal, and the improvement there is is staggering so quickly.
0: Is it also fair to say that we know that this team is really positively impacted by Colin Hartman? I mean, he's only played, I think, what, 22 minutes, but he played in the Eastern Michigan game, he played in the Duke game, and maybe it's no coincidence that those are by far Indiana's two best performances of the year. Uh, and I think, you know, whether he's out there for huge minutes, and he was very productive in his minutes against Duke, it sounds like, and Archie has talked about this, just his presence. And it's, he's able to lead better when he's in uniform and playing as opposed to just kind of being on the sidelines and not taking part in stuff. And it allows his leadership to really shine.
2: Yeah, it, it's funny. He's like this team's security blanket. You know, I mean, they're they're Linus and he's the blanket. It's it. it they just are more comfortable when he's on the floor. It, it's so obvious. I mean, as soon as he comes on the floor, even just having him available for a game, I feel like. And maybe it's the kind of thing where, like, he's been around so long. It's like you don't want to disappoint him and he's like your parent, you know, but he, he just he changes the way there. He changes the attitude of the team and, and they all play harder when he's on the floor and he picks them up when they need it. Uh, clearly with his play and I'm sure with, you know, vocally
0: yeah and I think you know something else that we know, and Archie mentioned this today, Andy, you can address this quickly, but Robert Johnson is going to give a lot of effort on defense and Archie talked about, you know, I don't think people realize how hard and how much of an impact he's making on the defensive end of the court.
1: yeah, he really made things tough for Grace Allen last night. You can take a step back after the fact and look at the stat line, but he really forced him to take some tough shots and really has taken some pride. Uh, You can tell in some of the assignments that he's drawn, really trying to to shut down guys. He had trouble against Seton Hall, but I think, uh, by and large, he's been a guy willing to step up and and take on the biggest challenge that there is on the other team defensively.
0: Yeah, and the other thing it feels like we know is that as long as Juwan Morgan stays healthy and keeps playing, he will continue his ascendance because he has been playing absolutely spectacular basketball of late, and hopefully that will continue. All righty, what will definitely continue here is the assembly call. We will continue this conversation, and we'll also look at the biggest question marks that – facing indiana as we move forward uh, here in the season that's next on the assembly call If you are listening to The Assembly Call, go to assemblycall.com slash join to learn how to subscribe to our email newsletter, and you really should. If you want to get more out of being an IU basketball fan, you should be on our newsletter list. You will get our weekly Six Banner Sunday news roundups, as well as our post game analysis emails, uh, and the best part is it's all free, and it will make you a smarter IU basketball fan. The URL is assemblycall.com slash join. All right, I am Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, Ryan Phillips, and Michael Dugan, and we are talking about the Indiana Hoosiers, as we always do here on Assembly Call Radio. And in our last segment, we talked about what we know about this Indiana team so far, and obviously there's not a lot that we know for sure. We're still learning a lot about this team, and that means that there are a lot of questions. And so in this segment we want to talk about what some of the most important questions are that we need to find out about this Indiana team and that will probably get answered over these next four games because of the competition level that Indiana is going to be playing. And Andy between segments you brought up a good one which is the turnovers because the improvement has been drastic especially over these last four games, you know and I know in particular, you know the last three games, you know 8, 8 and 9 turnovers. Uh, which is such a far cry from what Indiana was doing last year. And so it feels like we kind of know that this team is better at taking care of the ball. We certainly know for a fact that it's a bigger emphasis than it's been in years past. But where do you come down on this one? Have we seen enough yet to know that turnovers are no longer really going to be an issue Or, you know, when you look at that second half against Duke and Indiana had seven turnovers when, you know, the pressure to ratchet it up uh, a little bit as winning time approached, does that give you a little bit of pause to say, hey, we're better, but this team still has to continue answering this question against better competition?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely a positive sign, but it's after, you know, the struggles that we've watched some of these last few seasons, I think, you know, a four game stretch of, of positive development there is not enough to, you know, put the the scars of the past away for good. So I, you know, I'm not at that point yet, but it is encouraging. Um, and I think what's, what's as encouraging as that, and you alluded to it is the emphasis on it and the repercussions, I, I guess, for guys who aren't taking good care of the basketball. And um, you know, that's something that I think has been a welcome sight to, to a lot of IU fans who have uh, you know, watch guys make, you know, silly mistakes and, and there really seemed to be nothing that happened Uh, you know, in years past, and, and this is a case where, you know, Archie has sat down guys immediately after they've taken a, you know, quick shot that was essentially a turnover after they've, um, you know, thrown the ball away trying to make too, too spectacular a play. Um, so I think those things are positive and, and maybe in another month, if we see that trend continue, then that becomes something that we know about the team. But I think at this point we know how much they value taking care of the basketball. That's drilled home um, by Archie in in so many press conferences. He talks about it with Al Durham, and that's why he's playing so much and what makes him so good as a freshman. Um, so it, it's it's there and it's beyond encouraging after the last couple of years that they've been able to kind of turn that around so quickly. But uh, yeah, I'm not ready to uh, I'm not ready to close the book on that one quite yet.
0: Yeah, you know, and, and one guy in particular who continues to struggle with turnovers is Josh Newkirk, who is turning it over on almost 25% of his possessions, uh, which is actually which is a career worst for him. So while a lot of guys are doing better, he is not. And I think that's another big question that has to be answered for this team is, you know, which Josh Newkirk are we going to get? Uh, because he was obviously very good, probably played his best game against Eastern Michigan. I mean, in some ways, you know, he was the best Hoosier that day. Uh, but really, you know, despite playing 32 minutes against Duke, I didn't think you know, had as much of a positive impact, certainly on the game and struggled on both ends uh, to just kind of get himself in rhythm. Uh, and so I think and I think that's another big question, because if you're going to play a senior, you kind of expect some level of consistency and, and reliability. And so far, it's early in the season. And he proved last year that, you know, it kind of took him a little while to get warmed up and, and kind of get into the season. And he was good toward the end of the year. But can Josh Newkirk become a consistent contributor out of that guard spot? Um, I think that's another big question uh, moving forward. Ryan, what do you think?
2: Yeah, that's going to be interesting. It, you know, for a, a short stretch there, I had more confidence when Colin Hartman was out. I had more confidence in him shooting a three than anybody else on the roster, which is kind of aggravating because he wasn't a great three point shooter. You know, he really is. He's a, he's a decent three point shooter. He's not a great three point shooter. Um, but you know, with uh, you know, Robert Johnson misfiring, uh, I thought that he added something. I thought he played well on defense last night for the most part. Um, he overplayed a few. Um you know, screens and stuff like that and got caught up court a few times. Uh, but I, I, you know, it'll be interesting to see how he develops and, and and does he kind of get it with that system? And I do feel bad for Josh because this is the third system he's had to play in in his college career, and it's, you know, they've all been super different. You know, the, it, there's there's really no crossover here. So um, we'll see how he responds to it. If he doesn't, you know, it, you're going to see a lot more Devontae Green if he gets more consistent. Um and, and, you know, I, I expect Colin Hartman to move into the starting lineup at some point. So uh, one of those guys is, is going to be out of it permanently. Um, <clears throat> you know, between Al Durham, Devontae Green, and and uh, and Josh Newkirk, you're going to see uh, at least two of those guys move out of the starting lineup. So we'll see, you know, what Archie decides to do. But,
3: yeah, you got to be able to rely on your senior. I agree. Regarding Josh and his three-point attempts, I've noticed that, You know, throughout the course of this year and certainly toward the end of last year, he got a lot more confident with the ball. He was a guy that I was watching really closely coming into this year and a guy that I had a lot higher expectations for. And last night before the game, we were in there two hours before tip. When I walked into the gym, Josh was about four feet beyond the arc, shooting three after three after three after three. And then about 20 minutes later, we're shooting more threes, more threes at the top of the arc, deep threes, coming off screens, off a dribble, just taking three after three after three. And it's obviously a long road to go from such an unreliable three-point shooter to a guy that you're confident in with the ball in his hands, you know, 24, 25 feet behind the hoop. But just, you know, as the season goes on, with this team's lack of productivity, I guess, from beyond the arc, his improvement and his I guess increase in confidence from beyond the arc could certainly play to Indiana's advantage. And that's something that, you know, from an Indiana fans perspective, I would hope just continues to increase. But to me, his confidence from beyond the arc has improved drastically. And I really noticed um, just him taking all those threes and warmups, just that being the so the focal point of what he was doing. Uh, that, that meant more to me probably than it should. Uh, but I, I think it means something.
0: Oh well, yeah, I definitely don't think that this team is struggling to shoot from the outside or from the free throw line for a lack of effort or a lack of trying or a lack of practice. It's yeah, I think there's some confidence things going on, and, and if they can get on a roll, you know, then maybe we can see some of those percentages go up and see a little bit more consistency. Uh, you are listening to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, Ryan Phillips, and Michael Dugan, and we're talking about the biggest questions that Indiana faces, that Indiana needs to answer moving forward uh, as they look to continue their progression from the awfulness that we saw against Indiana State to, you know, the uh, the very solid play that we saw uh, against Duke. Andy, as you look at these Hoosiers, what do you think are some other questions that are going to be really important for Indiana to answer in a positive way, especially over these next four games, given the competition level?
1: I mean, I think the defense is is a big one. I, I think we have noticed things. We, we touched on this before. I, I think we've noticed things where uh, the the system is, is starting to come together a little bit better for these guys. But, um, you know, the results haven't necessarily been there, and I'm not going to hold you know, the Duke game against them again, you know, a team that's got, you know, filled with pros and um, guys who are, you know, just monster athletes. But I do think that there have been other times when they have really struggled to to contain other teams. The three point shooting was something that had really, um, you know, they'd struggled with, uh, but, but did better uh, against Duke for whatever reason. And so, um, you know, some of those numbers are going to regress to the mean, and I think things will get to, to be a little bit back to normal. But uh, at the same time, I, I do think that uh, we need to see improvement from this team defensively. And and each of these um, next few games provides some unique tests there. You know, we know how efficient and, and good John Beline offenses can be. Uh, Notre Dame, you know, a lot in the same vein uh, when those games come up. Uh, I was, uh, you know, has struggled to this point this year. And, and Louisville is a really tough kind of rugged team that's going to, you know, play different offensively than those others. So I think there's a lot of opportunities to see the defense improve, but – they have to continue to get better at stopping dribble penetration and not falling for shot fakes and and closing out, uh, you know, out of control because part of the pack line is being able to recover to shooters, but doing it in a in a controlled manner. So uh, I think those are areas that they've really struggled with. And I think, you know, Archie's not going to be happy uh, as much as he apparently looks at Ken Palm to see his defense rank like 219th or whatever it was uh, coming into today. So that has to get better. I think that it will. But we need to see it.
0: Yeah. You know, one other question I have, Ryan, I think you can address this, and and you've addressed questions like this in the past – is, you know, we're all we're riding high after, you know, the the performance Wednesday night. And even though it was a 10 point loss and even though our aspiration for the Indiana basketball program is to not be talking about moral victories, it's to be on a relatively even playing field with a team like Duke and they come into your place and you expect to beat them. And most times you do. Uh, But this is, you know, kind of a unique circumstance with, you know, a a coach with some players that he didn't recruit, you know, putting in a new system. And so I think I think. Indiana fans' optimism after a game like that shows that Indiana fans are having the patience and perspective that we should have to give this team the time it needs to make progress. So that's good. The question now, I think, for Indiana is, okay, we've seen that in this electric environment with Assembly Hall, you know, rocking, they could really rise to the challenge for 35 minutes against an immensely talented team. Now... What do they do outside of that? What do they do when they go to Michigan for an afternoon start? Is that toughness, is that intensity still there? You know, when they come back home and it's, you know, maybe that the atmosphere isn't quite as electric. Are they still able to bring that same uh, intensity, that same focus? Um, And so I think, look, we know Archie is going to be demanding it and, and talking about it. But to me, I think that's a really big question for this team to answer because it's a team that just as recently as two, three weeks ago, you know, we're kind of questioning its toughness, questioning its maturity. And that's what I think allows a team to do that and be consistent, you know, no matter the venue, no matter the circumstances, is maturity and toughness. Um, And I think we're going to really find out if, you know, if Indiana really has both of those qualities.
2: Yeah, I think Saturday will tell us a lot. I mean, how focused are they? You know, I think focus is a big part of it. And I, th- I thought that that was one of the things that really helped them Wednesday night was their focus. They were focused on what they needed to accomplish, what they wanted to do, and, and they stuck to it. And, and early morning games, I mean, 1230, I guess, but you're warming up early in the morning. You're, you know, eating earlier than you thought. You're do- shooting your warm ups. You're getting into your walkthrough. Earlier, earlier, earlier. It's hard to get up for those games, particularly on the road. Um, and we, I mean, we've talked about this for years. I hate those early morning games. I think they're awful. I think the big 10 should get rid of them. I think you should, it should be afternoon, like three, four o'clock or night for all your games. Um, but they they continually schedule them, so you got to play them, and everybody has to play them, and they're stupid. But you got to do it. Uh, so how how focused they come out on Saturday will tell us a lot, and and how tough they play. Maybe they don't win at Michigan. I mean, Michigan, as Andy said, very efficient offense. Usually, they've got some players this year. Uh, didn't play particularly well in Maui, but they certainly have the ability to to do some things. And they're coming off of getting just absolutely shellacked by North Carolina, so they're going to come in motivated as well. Um, We'll see. I, you know, I, but I think that that's that's going to answer some questions. Is are they ready to actually be that tough all the time, or was that just a snapshot of what they can be and, and need to find more consistently? I think Saturday will tell us a lot.
0: Yeah, and I think the other question. Look, I think there are you know some questions that you could ask about Devonte Green. You know, are we going to get more good Devonte than bad Devonte? Although I think to a certain extent, you know, he. He is what he is right now, which is an electric player, but also an inconsistent one. And hopefully you can smooth that out and get more of the good Devonte. But, you know, Andy, I think the other really big question, and, and we've certainly alluded to this, but we're all waiting for Robert Johnson to get hot and get consistent as a shooter. But now at some point it's got to happen. You know, like we're now seven games into the season and his shot form looks different every time he puts it up. And, you know, at some point that's got to happen or that's really no longer a question. It's just a reality uh, for this team. And so... I I think that there is some potential there for Indiana to really improve. If Robert can start knocking down threes consistently, we saw what that can look like when he and Josh really shoot well. Um, But I think right now it is a massive question mark. And, you know, with each game that goes by, you know, like Duke, where it's, you know, there's a good shooting performance and then a bad one, it's seeming more and more like the answer is it's just going to kind of be a crapshoot every game. And I think while Robert has played very well, man, that's the next step, you know, that really takes him up into being, you know, that all big 10 level guard is if he can start knocking down that shot consistently.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, you know, the, the shooting of the team as a whole is a, is a concern. And I think he was one of the guys who you thought coming into the season, you kind of knew what you were getting uh, from a shooting standpoint. But as you said, you know, the form just doesn't look quite right. And he actually has started to appear, you know, kind of the inverse of what his first years was. He looks a lot more comfortable going to the basket than, than, you know, shooting away from it. And, and even one of the mid range shots he hit last night, I thought was one of the worst shots he took over the course of the game where he was kind of like a runner off his, off the wrong leg and uh, you know, made it, made a shot, but he just seems to be more comfortable that way. And at some point it's probably just, yeah. Yeah. I mean, in the, in the one shot that he took last night, that was a little bit in rhythm where he didn't hesitate is the one that he made. And, and so um, you know, you've seen flashes of that in some of these games where he really steps into one confidently and, and looks like the way that he shot a couple years ago, but more often than not, it, it isn't that way. And he's got, you know, this weird follow through and, Um, different things like that, that again, I don't think any two shots look quite the same. Um, but I think it's, you know, I think he's struggling a bit still with this role and trying to understand a balance out what Archie wants him to do in terms of getting the ball to the basket where he's been really effective with still, um, you know, needing and wanting to, to be able to be a guy this team can rely on from the outside. So, um, I, you know, I don't know if that even comes this year, quite honestly, it needs to, I think if this team's going to take the next step, but, um, You know, if he becomes a guy who really relentlessly attacks the basket and gets to the free throw line, I think they can survive without it. But certainly takes him to another level if he can start to make those kinds of shots. But he just doesn't look comfortable enough and isn't taking enough of him in rhythm right now to to make you feel like he's going to turn that around.
0: Yep. All righty, well, coming up in our final segment of Assembly Call Radio, you all sent in some great questions. Uh, We had a few about Justin Smith's playing time, about Curtis Jones and some other topics. We will address those next as we close out this episode. Stick with us. listening to The Assembly Call, I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, Ryan Phillips, and Michael Dugan, my co-hosts on The Assembly Call IU Postgame Show, wrapping up another week of talking about Indiana basketball. And this is our segment where we answer your questions. Uh, and if you ever have a question for the show, just send it to us on Twitter, at Assembly Call. Uh, try to do it on Thursday. That's when we kind of gather all these questions up. So if you you know send it on Monday, you might forget about it by the time Thursday rolls around. So send it on Thursday, and it'll probably make its way into the show. Uh, so we had... This question came up a lot. This was by far the most popular question. Uh, Several people asked it, and it was, what happened to Justin Smith's playing time, and where was Curtis Jones? Uh, So, you know, to me, it feels like the answer is kind of simple, and Ryan, I want to get your thoughts on it, but, you know, I mean, obviously Colin Hartman was back, and that's going to cut into some of the time that Justin Smith is playing. Um, I still thought maybe he would have gotten out there a little bit more, but, you know, maybe it just wasn't the right kind of matchup for him. And as far as Curtis Jones goes... He's a guy who hasn't really been producing in games, certainly hasn't been shooting well. And Archie has been very clear about why guys are going to play. It's if you are producing in practice and everything gets tracked. And so I just have to assume that, you know, you compare him to a guy like Zach McRoberts. Zach McRoberts has been better in recent gameplay when he's been in there and he must be better in practice. And it seems like it's probably that simple because Archie has kind of made it that simple.
2: You know, I, I, I truly think that it's going to be how you practice is is whether or not you, you get into the game or not, and, and, and uh, how you play also. Um, what I would say is that, you know, for w- wondering why maybe Curtis Jones didn't play and why some other guys didn't get as many minutes, uh, and I – Duke has insane length, so I think we were tending to go a little bigger, not necessarily longer or more athletic, but beefier. You know, these guys were strong. We tried to go with our stronger guys down low to combat them defensively. Um, and so I think that had a lot to do. I mean, Gary Trent is six six, and he's got to be like two twenty. I mean, the kid is ripped, and and he was their small forward. You know, so I think that you were trying to maybe match Duke a little bit more instead of just throwing out your guys and and hoping they can defend. I think they were trying to match Duke player for player a bit, um, but, you know, Justin, he's a freshman, and this is his first, you know, second month uh, of his career. Uh, I don't think there should be concerns because he didn't play much in a game against the number one team in the country. Uh, a lot of the older guys on that team played more because, you know what, they've earned the chance to play against the number one team in the country at home uh, and play in that environment. As for like Curtis-Jones, I think, it, you know, he's got to be more consistent on the court to get in in a game like that. You can't afford mistakes in a game like that. And, and I think that what Archie tried to do was limit the guys on the floor who were going to make mistakes. And it worked because Indiana played close. I mean, you can complain about it if Indiana had gotten blown out of that game and they didn't see, you didn't see those guys, but they played close. So whatever the strategy he had going in was working from 90% of the game. So, uh, I thought that it was, uh, I thought that, you know, you can't really complain about it. Can't be upset about it. And those guys just have to get at it harder in
3: practice.
0: Andy, uh, this is a question from John about Robert Johnson. How much is fair to expect from Robert offensively if we expect him to lock down the other team's best offensive player too, like he did, uh, you know, he was obviously guarding Grayson Allen. Uh, what should we expect from him uh, given that?
1: Yeah, it's it's an interesting way to think of it when you, you know, you start to kind of put the, you know, a w- w- little bit what I was talking about before where are trying to balance, I need to attack the basket, this is what the coach wants, I need to try to get to the free throw line, I know I have to be a guy who can knock, step up and knock down outside shots on a, on a team that doesn't have a ton of outside shooting. And Oh, by the way, I got to exert a lot of energy defensively. So I do think that's probably fair to wonder if that isn't part of, um, you know, the struggle with him and, and he's got a lot on his plate right now, just in terms of all the things that he's being asked to do. So, um, and, and I think some of that you, you hear from Archie as well. And, and I think some of that comes from, you know, we talked, so much before, about when he was struggling, he said, you know, he's getting a lot of rope. Well, I think he's getting a lot of rope because he's being asked to do a lot and he's doing a lot of things. Well, might not be shooting the ball well, but I think he's done a little bit better uh, taking care of the ball and and certainly has done a better job getting to the, uh, you know, getting to the basket and and is doing a better job of finishing around the hoop. So, um, yeah, I think it's a it's a it's an interesting question when you really step back and look. The problem is that they're just, you know, there just aren't enough guys who have shown the ability to knock down three point shots. In a way that he has earlier in his career. So I think it's natural for everybody to look at a senior who's played a ton of games and say, yeah, oh, you need to do this as well. doesn't really matter what else he's got going on. So it, it's, a, it's a fair it's a fair question. I think that's why he's getting a little bit of leeway from Archie on on some of the shooting woes and, and not getting taken out. And the hook isn't quite as quick as it is for some other guys, for sure.
0: Yeah, you know, we got another question from Derek. He's concerned that Indiana really was buoyed by the extraordinary crowd and and, and wonders if the team is going to come out flat against Michigan. And and we kind of addressed this. Uh, Ryan talked about it. But Derek asks, is there any argument, stats, or gut feeling you can use to alleviate some of that concern? I will just say, if you haven't watched it yet, again, go watch Archie's press conference from after the Duke game, because he was not a coach that was, you know, resting on his laurels or, you know, soaking up any type of moral victories, uh, or that wasn't immediately focused on Michigan. And he mentioned it several times, on to Michigan, talked in his radio show about just being obsessed with improvement. Uh, And so my gut feeling is Indiana is going to come out and play well, because I I just think their coach has such a razor-sharp focus, and this is a team that really seems to be in tune with their coach right now. And so I would expect Indiana to come out and play well. I won't be shocked if they, if they come out flat because it's college kids and it's a weird, uh, obviously, situation playing the afternoon game, and it's a prime letdown spot on the road afternoon game after an emotional big game. But, you know, I, I've got a little bit of faith in Archie, and so my gut feeling is that they will come out uh, and play pretty well. Um, but you know, we'll just have to see. And I think however they do respond, it'll be pretty telling. Uh, Andy, we've got about a minute left. You want to talk to us about, uh, how awesome the big 10 is, right?
1: Uh, yeah, it stinks, uh, on ice, I would say at this point. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, I tweeted out some stats earlier today and this isn't, quite updated on Ken Palm against Ken Palm, top 25 teams, four and 11. This includes Michigan state's win over Notre Dame. So these are actually better than they were earlier in the day against the top 56 and 18 top 75, eight and 23. So, um, and when you look, it really has separated who the, you know, kind of clear cut top tier teams are at this point, you know, eight of the nine best wins have come from Michigan state, Purdue or Minnesota. They've got two each in that realm. And so I think those three have clearly established themselves uh, as the top three in the league and you now look at a really, really crowded middle of the league at that you watch the way IU played last night. You, you, you project some of the growth that we've seen over the last you know few weeks going forward. Uh, opportunity is there. Um, there just haven't been a lot of good non-conference performances from the Big Ten. It's probably going to cost some team seed lines and probably in the end cost the league some bids. But, um, you know, what, what is probably a bad thing for the league might be a good thing for a team like IU in the sense that, you know, they were never going to challenge for the title. But the, the, the part of it where they could aspire to is now more wide open than it looked before.
0: Yeah, that pick of fifth in the Big Ten is looking better and better by the day. All right. That'll do it for us on this week's episode of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Or you can always subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com slash join to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. We will be back to talk IU hoops again with you next week. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim and go Hoosiers. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the assembly call. We really appreciate you being here and we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep the assembly call going and to keep growing. And we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com support so that if you do want to support the show, there are a number of options and we encourage you to choose whichever one is most convenient. On that page, you will find ways to donate, including how to set up a monthly recurring donation or annual recurring donation, as many folks have, or you can submit a one-time donation. Again, that is assemblycall.com support. Or you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop, and we will get a commission if you use that URL and make a purchase. All righty. Thank you so much again for being here. Thank you for your support. We'll talk to you next time. Go Hoosiers. Look, staying healthy isn't easy. Watching your diet, hitting the gym, avoiding stress. But a good night's rest helps boost your overall health and wellness. And it couldn't be easier. The new Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed is the only bed that effortlessly adjusts and responds to both of you. The result? You wake up ready for anything. Proven quality sleep is life-changing sleep. And now, the new Queen Sleep Number 360 P5 Smart Bed is only $17.99. Save $600, only for a limited time. To
1: learn more, go to sleepnumber.com.
0: Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger... They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 Whoo! Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years older to purchase player client.